Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. Support for this episode comes from Missouri-based Kuat Racks. For trailblazing rides or Class 4 river drops, Kuat makes racks that help get your gear where you want to be. Their new Class 4 kayak rack locks, folds, and stacks up easily for hauling and stowing your gear. Not to mention, you'll want to keep a Class 4 on the roof at all times because it actually looks good up there. Kuat, because you love your bike and your kayak. Get your next adventure on your vehicle at Kuat, that's K-U-A-T dot com. That sort of idea that there is an Ozarks and that it is associated with certain types of people who do certain types of things that are weirder and different than the way we do them in the so-called mainstream parts of the United States. It's not really that old of a concept. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Ozark Podcast and part two of our interview with Dr. Blevins. We are going to be answering the question of are the Ozarks in the South? A hotly debated topic that, as an Ozarker, you may wrestle with on a day-to-day basis depending on where you live and what your background is. We're also going to be discussing the relationship between Arkansas and Missouri Ozarkers and why some within the cultural realm of the Ozarks would rather identify as an Ozarker and why some who are not within the boundaries of the geological Ozarks take on that name as a point of pride and heritage. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. You've had um, a book come out in the last, I guess it would have been about a year ago, yeah. um, up south in the Ozarks. You had mentioned it before, talking about the south is where southerners are. And this is your your latest book on the Ozarks and covering some concepts and ideas of what is the south and how do you define it within our region. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that book? Yeah, that's a... It's a collection of essays, so it's it's a little different than than most of my books, which are more traditional history books telling some kind of a story or you know a little bit of a narrative in there. It, it's just a bunch of different essays that I had uh, written over like the last twenty years. Some about half of them had previously been published. About half of them were unpublished, but uh, they all have something to do with either the South or the Ozarks or with both in a lot of cases. And so uh, and, uh, most of them are, are written for, uh, for what I would call a general audience. Uh, it's, you know, it's not a lot of heavy academic lifting and, and hopefully people who aren't uh, just really super into to history will enjoy some of this because a lot of it's personal too. You know, I talk about uh, uh, there's an essay in there on migrant workers from the Ozarks in the, in the mid 20th century. And, uh, both my mom and my dad's family did that 
stuff, you know, went out and picked apples and worked in the hops and, and uh, picked cotton and all that kind of stuff that, that migrant workers did. And that was a, at one time, that was a very common experience for, for people from the Ozarks. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there's stuff in there on, there's an essay on the, on the Andy Griffith show and why not? Yeah. You know, why, why not? <laughs> uh, not from the Ozarks, but you know, that's the kind of Southern part of it. Fireworks. Uh, there's, it, it's just kind of a grab bag of stuff that has interested me over the years and, uh, that I'm able to explore, you know, some themes about, about the Ozarks and, and the South in there. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes it turns into kind of looking at the, at the Ozarks and the way it divides into the South and the non-South. Right. Hmm. And a lot of that has to do with the state line between Arkansas and Missouri. Yeah. That's uh, kind of where is, I wanted to go because it's, yeah. it is, uh, it's something that I know I wrestle with sometimes living in Northwest Arkansas. And a lot of people say that, it you know so Arkansas we typically would say is in the south, but in Northwest Arkansas it has a pretty midwestern feel, and a lot of people who move there from the Midwest find it to be pretty familiar territory as far as culture and and the way people speak. And so I I've wrestled with how do I relate to the South and the Midwest? I kind of identify as a Southern Ozarker, but someone who would meet me might say actually you're not really that Southern. You might be an Ozarker, but you're not that Southern. And where where does that boundary meet? Is it is it the state line of if you ask someone in Arkansas, they're going to say I'm from the South, and if you ask someone in Missouri, they're going to say I'm from the Midwest? Or talk to me about that relationship between these two big states of the Ozarks. Yeah, I wish it were that easy. And and <laughs> okay. And well, I would say that's the that's the starting point. That's the starting point uh, for those of you who who, you know, had a football coach for a history teacher in high school. Uh, there was this thing called the Civil War. Yeah. And we, and we not, not to insult all the fo- – <laughs> no, my, my Actually, was, that was our history experience. <laughs> our history yeah. My dad was a basketball coach who, who occasionally taught history, and I used to grade his papers when I was a kid. So I, I know how this stuff works. <laughs> this he is would, why you got into your job. Yeah, yeah. He, would, he would tell you the same thing. But uh, – of course, Arkansas was in the Confederacy. Missouri was in the Missouri actually has a had a star on the Confederate flag, but not to confuse everybody uh, really badly. But uh, but we generally consider Missouri a Union state. Mm-hmm. It, it mostly stayed in the Union, and so that state line between Arkansas and Missouri becomes the line between the Confederacy and the Union in the Civil War, and that's a that's a huge historical marker right there and and a lot of people are going to identify based on that state line that separates the the states that goes right through the heart of the Ozarks but even that and I talk about that in, in one of the essays in there um, in northwest Arkansas you're closer to southwest Missouri and most of the people from Missouri you interact with are probably going to be from southwest Missouri and that was southwest Missouri was a stronger union place than southeastern Missouri was. You can go over into into the southeastern Missouri Ozarks, and you'll find plenty of people who would identify as Southern. And most of, that's another question. In addition to my am I in the Ozarks and how do I get there? Question. 
I, over the years, I've asked a lot of people in Missouri if they consider themselves Southern. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, the people that I've met in Southwest Missouri will say no, unless, you know, unless their dad was from Arkansas or something like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's some kind of immediate connection. Uh, most of them in Southwest Missouri say no, but the Missourians that I've met who, who identified as Southern almost always were from the Southeastern part of Missouri. Now I'm not talking about the boot heel, I'm not talking about the, you know, the flatland out there. I'm talking right. about the Southeastern Missouri Ozarks. Okay. And, and a lot of that had to do with politics. A lot of it had to do with who controlled the territories at the end of the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, ex-Confederates controlled southeastern Missouri, ex-Union people controlled southwest Missouri. Southwest Missouri became uh, staunchly Republican and therefore northern. That was the northern party of, of Lincoln. Southeastern Missouri, staunchly Democrat. The, the party that was most affiliated with the South in those days. And that kind of came with its built-in, you know, identity to a certain degree. So, so yeah, for, uh, I would say the, the starting point is the state line does, does tend to separate Southerners from Midwesterners. But like with anything, when humans are involved, it's, it, it ultimately is not that easy. And there's a lot of historical precedents for why people uh, claim southernness or 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 why they don't mm. and uh and so that's uh yeah that that's one of the things that uh still interests me today and i've, I've that's the oldest essay in that book it's the very first one and uh and i first wrote that thing in 1998 no way yeah and i and i sort of pulled it it was published in the early 2000s uh, for this book, I pulled it out and sort of updated it and threw in, uh, when I first wrote it, it was just, it was uh, really just about Arkansas. And I was considering how Southern is the Arkansas Ozarks. And that's a whole other, I mean, that's, you know, you get into uh, some interesting questions there. I would say, for the most part, the farther west and the farther north you go, the less Southern mm -hmm. people in Arkansas are. Right. And I, I just happened to grow up in probably the most southern part of the Ozarks, culturally speaking. Yeah. In the southeastern part of the Arkansas Ozarks, where my grandparents grew cotton and where almost everybody was a yellow dog Democrat up until the 20th century. Uh, when I registered to vote, you know, I was, they didn't even ask you what yeah. party you were, you, you were just registered as a Democrat because if, if you wanted to vote in the election and have it count, uh, you had to vote in the Democratic primary. They would just say, you're signing up to vote, yeah, not yeah. to pick who you want to vote for. Right. You, you see, I mean, it's just understood. And almost the entire state of Arkansas used to be that way, yeah. you know, in the 20th century. And uh, if, if there, the parts that weren't were always in Northwest Arkansas. Mm -hmm. You had counties like Newton and Madison and Searcy mm -hmm. and some of these counties where, where you actually had a two-party system, which was such a weird thing for, for people in Arkansas. Yeah. It was then, and it's it's uh, still kind of weird it's now. Like it's it's only the, it. yeah, the, the parties have just flopped. Right. Now. They, they flip-flop. We, we still don't have much of a two-party system, <laughs> but we have different parties. There's a lot of things to know about hunting turkeys in the Ozarks. 
but there's two things I know for sure. One, it's that turkeys have really good eyesight, so your camo matters. Canis makes an incredible turkey camo. It is comfortable, it is breathable, blends into the background like no other. It is the perfect camouflage for those long sits back up against a white oak tree, hearing those hens and gobblers hold up 200 yards away as I'm just waiting for them to come in. The second thing you gotta know is you have to be prepared for anything. Whether it's a tom sneaking up behind you or a rainstorm coming at you out of nowhere, Canis has you covered. From the Nunavut rain jacket to the chamois fleece hoodie to the alpine pant with built-in knee pads, make sure you have Canis on you for this upcoming turkey season. Use our discount code OZARK for 15% off website or in-store, and good luck this turkey season. Sadly, hunting season in the Ozarks has come to an end. But in these hills and haulers, it's always been the off-season where woodsmen dialed in their equipment to get ready for the next hunt. And there is no better time to dial in your shot grouping with some new gear from Umarex. Our friends over at Umarex produce some of the most accurate air-powered rifles in the world, with everything from 22 caliber guns for squirrels and rabbits, 30 calibers for coyotes, bobcats, and coons, all the way up to 50 caliber air rifles that can take down white-tailed deer, feral hogs, and bear. Umarex leads the industry in accuracy and innovation, making some of the best hunting air guns on the market, hands down. Head on over to umarexusa.com and use our discount code Ozark Air for 12% off your entire order and start getting dialed in for your next hunt. I've got a personal anecdote and then a long form question because whenever I sit here and synthesize information for a long time, I always end up spitting out a way too long of a question. So bear with me. This but is where Kyle like really digests it and he's going to regurgitate it and you're going to be like, yes, that's what well, I'm Don't set saying. me up too big, but <laughs> personal story. Uh, my, I remember growing up, my mom used to get made fun of by other family members being called the one Yankee daughter because she was born in Missouri and everybody else was born in Arkansas. And uh, that was the line that they were drawing. It was like, doesn't matter that like, right. th- like I think my, my grandfather was like in dental school or something. Like he'd moved there for a little bit yeah. and she was born there. And it's like, nah, you're a Yankee. You're like, a Yankee. You, don't, you don't count. You're not one of us. And it was just, I was thinking through those lines of they had drawn the line as Missouri that like doesn't count as the South. Um, which is interesting. I didn't know that's where that was really coming from. I guess later on I thought about it, but as you were talking about, so here's the long question. As you were talking about the Ozarks in Oklahoma, I was thinking about all of the different state identities that, that you kind of take on, even as history in America, at least progresses westward and you have like the first colonies and first explorations. You have strong East coast, cities and and established communities and all of that and then you have like the Appalachian region that's really figuring out who they are and then I guess it's kind of the Ozarks and then but they kind of get looked over because then it's like the plains and the west like the plains and Texas and the great west all the way to the Rockies with the gold rush and then on to California so it seems like at least growing up you heard a lot about the east and the early settlements the west and how it was one all of that stuff, gold rush, and then like California. And it seems like our middle, very middle part of the country and very kind of middle part of, I guess, northern part of our state and southern Missouri didn't really get covered historically, which is ultimately, now that I've heard your story, what led you into saying like, I want to deep dive into this. 
So here's the long question. That was just thinking through state identity because I think it's <laughs> He's interesting. He's still going, Dr. Promise. Levins. He's you coming can cut around. all this out, Dan, if you'd like. No, this is good stuff. Um, if you don't mind, can you can you set up a a, a your best high-level kind of timeline of identity for the Ozarkers? Thinking through who got here first. You, you've already talked Germans and, and French and, and all of that. What the identity was then, where it got kind of in the civil war to where it was in the civil rights era to where it is now, including even the Southern influence and are we in the South and not and all of that kind of stuff. Because I think anybody who's grown up here and has lived here for a while carries all that stuff with them and they, they hear all the stories and, you know, they know where they come from is historically relevant and matters. And especially now as we were talking Northwest Arkansas money, like our area of the world mat- matters on the global scale more than I think anybody in the Ozarks would have ever could have ever dreamed, right? And so from old Ozarkers to now, if you could just kind of timeline it out, how what would be some high like high markers for yeah. kind of cultural, cultural heritage of the Ozarks? Right. First of all, I would say that, and I'm gonna go back, but I'm gonna start by saying that really the what we throughout most of the 20th century saw as the identity of the Ozarks or what sort of the, the Ozarks in the nation's consciousness was a 20th century creation for the most part. Very late or 19th tourism. century. Yeah. And, okay. and, and, but I'll go back and say it wasn't a, it was, wasn't a complete fabrication mm-hmm. or anything like that. Uh, if you, if you go back before the civil war into what I call the, the old Ozarks in, in my first volume, the vast majority of of settlement that came in here mm-hmm. and that you know that that ultimately pushed the the Native Americans on into what's now Oklahoma and Kansas uh, and most of the ones who were here at that time the early 1800s were uh, what I call immigrant immigrant Indians in the book they were displaced from back east to start with mm. but the vast majority of those those white settlers who came in here were of a very similar type. They were mostly from the from the upper south, east of the Mississippi. They weren't necessarily from the Appalachian Mountains, but they were from the greater Appalachia area. They were from Tennessee and Kentucky. The 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 biggest glob of them was was from Tennessee. Tennessee supplied a, a ton of people uh, to both southern Missouri and northern Arkansas and to the state of Arkansas in general. Because Americans tend to tended to migrate in kind of parallel, straight east to west lines across the North American continent, mm. and so you had uh, you had these people who came in who uh, were very very similar to Appalachian folks in terms of dialect and folk music and folk ways of, of all kinds and mm-hmm. re- religious preferences and agriculture and hunting it, i mean they were that's who they were and they brought their they were able to transplant their lifestyles without much change because the ozarks is in a lot of ways just kind of a shorter version of appalachia <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know we're just the peaks aren't as high but everything else is pretty pretty similar mm-hmm. and and so you get that that becomes the the dominant uh, you know the the dominant cultural you know group of of the Ozarks, 
by the middle of the 19th century. And even though you have other groups that come in after the Civil War and, and you know, you have, uh, you still have immigrants who are coming in, you have Midwesterners who, who come into the region, especially after the railroad opens it up and it's easier to get here. Uh, that's still by the, the late 19th century, that's, that, the, uh, the term is not in wide use yet, but the sort of hillbilly persona, you know, that, that is the, the main mm-hmm. kind of cultural character of the Ozarks. And what happens is in the, the very end of the 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s, when you start to have local color writers writing stories about the Ozarks, and the most famous one is The Shepherd of the Hills, the novel that comes out in 1907, they sort of cement that that image for the nation at large. I mean, that's what people are reading about the Ozarks. And you start to have travel writers who come in, and that's what they want to highlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's, even today, you know, nobody comes to uh, the Ozarks or goes to anywhere else to write stories about accountants or <laughs> or college professors right. or, you know, or, you know uh, trash truck drivers and stuff. I mean, you you want to if if you're a writer and you're wanting to get readers, you've got to exoticize mm-hmm. to a certain degree. You've yeah, got, you want the sensational, yeah, captivating, yeah, not, not the average stories. Yeah, mm. yeah, you're you're not going to go for uh, the the average uh, for sure. And so uh, that's what uh, in the in the early early twentieth century you you have you know you start to have a written record whether it's fictional or non-fictional about the Ozarks, it's going out across the country uh, to people and that they're, they're reading about. And uh, this is really what establishes that, that Ozarks identity in the national consciousness. What, what people, the shorthand, when you say Ozarks, what do people think about? Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's when that really catches on. It's roughly 100 years ago. It's when that, that really digs in. And... Uh, it's it it uh, as I talk about in uh, I think it's in volume three where I talk about this. It's really kind of that era between the world wars when mm. that image of the Ozarks reaches maturity and people understand nationwide, you know what the Ozarks is about, and it's about that the most colorful uh, fragment of the population that we had to offer. Right, and that's you know that kind of hillbilly caricature, and Appalachia is the same way, you know they they just they establish that image probably a little earlier than we do, right? Because they're farther back east and they're closer to New York and Philadelphia and the places where they're doing all this stuff, and so, so I would say the you know the the image of the Ozarks is not really all that old that that sort of idea that there is an Ozarks. And that it is associated with certain types of people who do certain types of things that are weirder and different than what we the way mm-hmm. we do them in the so-called mainstream parts of the United States. Uh, it's not really that that old of a of a concept. And I would say in the in the nineteenth century, the people who were living here would never have thought of themselves as being people from the Ozarks. I mean, they, they were, were just homesteading and frontier <laughs> lifing. 
Sure. They, west. Yes. they were they were, were they were Southerners or uh -huh. they were Westerners or okay. they were Arkies or yeah. you know people in Missouri. And that's fascinating. I didn't uh, realize it was that young of an of an idea. Yeah, I I don't I really don't think uh, I, I you know I don't that regional identity is something that just wasn't mm -hmm. you know it just wasn't in the in the water uh, mm -hmm. back in those days and and it's something that is is generally created by people from the outside looking at us and looking for those differences and those those unique things to write about and highlight and for the most part that's what the the regionalist local color era was about and and it dominated popular literature for at least the last couple of decades of the 19th century and for the first decade or so of the 20th century and we that's really when a lot of these these ideas of of regional culture and regional image that's when a lot of these take hold mm. you know and uh and and so we're we're maybe no longer just southerners or just westerners or just whatever it was that we thought we were there's a little something else that we can add to that and uh and it's usually people adding it for us to start with, but right. then a lot of the folks uh, co-opt the image themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't mind being called a hillbilly if we're the ones calling ourselves hillbillies. <laughs> they just, we just don't want other folks right. calling us that. Right. And and so you know that. Uh, and now, roughly a hundred years later, I I don't know what the you know what the next phase. Mm -hmm of this identity is i'm pr i'm pretty sure that the uh that the hillbilly age is over i i really think it is and i think it snuck up on me uh i because when i started this when i started doing this more than 30 years ago i think we were still squarely within that you know the the hillbilly age uh but you go to branson today and just try to find a corncob pipe or you know a or a felt hat at a at a gift shop you know mm. that's just not you stop at one of those up in Missouri they have this chain of uh interstate gift shops called Ozark Land there's one up on the outskirts of St. Louis I stopped in it uh back in the fall doing research of course <laughs> <laughs> some fun research <laughs> yeah and I and I and I was just trying to find some sort of hillbilly doodad or or something you know a corn cob pipe or a, you know, overalls yeah just nothing really entire and, and the store is called ozark land mm, that's surprising and, and 20 years ago that place would have been full i mean you know any sort of crazy you know chinese made little doodad you could think of from salt shakers to you know to to uh, ashtrays mm -hmm. Uh, with hillbilly images on it, you could you could have found that, but uh, you know that that has has gone away, and there's uh, there's there's a lot of you know I think there's a lot of cultural baggage behind why that has happened in the uh, in the 21st century when it's happened, but uh, but it's it's definitely happened. Yeah. So you would say those of those of us who are kind of proud of the hillbilly heritage and 
still somewhat claim that, you know, if, if you were to look at me, you would, you wouldn't say, Oh, that's a hill. I don't wear overalls. Right. I don't chew straw or have a corn cob pipe or whatever, but I still kind of identify with like some of the things that I love and some of the things that I do and the ways that I spend my time in the way that I hunt and fish, I float, I spend my time in the outdoors. Um, that would be kind of holding on to a past that is no longer reality. And it's almost like a, an old grab of not wanting to let go this nostalgic image that maybe once was. Yeah. I, I guess it's, it's holding on to certain elements of, of that image. And, and certainly I, you're, you're going to find people out in the, the rural Ozarks who still do all that stuff, sure. who still hunt and trap and, and fish and all that. But, uh, and, and you guys know this as, uh, probably better than I do. Uh, the, the old timers that I grew up with, uh, my grandpa's generation, he was born in 1914. And, uh, he was, he was not really, uh, that much of a hunter or a fisherman. Uh, you know, by the time he came along, we'd pretty much killed everything off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was, he was probably about the age I am now before he ever killed a deer and probably only killed a handful his entire life. Yeah. There weren't many around then, you know, hunting for him was, was squirrel hunting or, or using rabbit gums. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just about all there was around that. So, uh, so, uh, you know, the, the hill folk of his generation, you know, weren't, uh, weren't modern sportsmen. I mean, they were just people trying to get by. Right. And if you had to use a little dynamite to fish with, then <laughs> you, you do it. Yeah, to get by. Then, you, then you, you do it. And so, I mean, we've, we've sort of, uh, sanitized some of that and, and we, you know, kind of selectively pick and choose the, the parts that we want to keep alive. Nobody wants to keep alive the poverty right. and migrant labor mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, the outdoor, outdoor toilets, if you've got one and, and that kind of stuff, rickets and, and tuberculosis. Yeah. All, you know, there's, there's, there's a the bad side of, a there's lot a of lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that I would suggest people, uh, you know, <laughs> look into if you're really wanting to be an authentic hillbilly. Yeah. They pretty well like to do without all of that stuff. Right. And, and so, yeah, we, I mean, you know, we, we all do that. We, we, I mean, I, you know, and I think it's perfectly okay to, to be, to have pride in, in the people who went before you and, and the, the hardships that they, that they endured. And, um, and it could, because I do, it, but because I, because I know about the hardships and, and the reason that we often had the image we had, uh, which was generally an image rooted in poverty. It was usually the poorest of us who gave the the region the image that we had. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm always thankful for what I've got and what I don't have to do, right. and what I don't have to to endure. Uh, so that's part of you know the pride I have because you know people set me up pretty well. You know, I, I, I didn't have, didn't have a lot of the struggles mm -hmm. that, that my ancestors had, the people who were, who really would have, you know, everybody would have recognized as a, as a hillbilly, um, uh, because that's, you know, even 
even if they would have fought you, you know, if, if, you, if you called them that. Uh, you know, we've, we've, got, it's, we've got it pretty good, and, and, I, uh, and that, that old, you know, image has, uh, has sort of died out, even though I think you're right. I think, I think there are still a lot of people, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks who, who kind of hold on to that, to that term as a, as a badge of honor today. Right. If for no other reason to be a nonconformist, and to, uh, you know, to not just sort of get in line with the yuppies or whatever you call right, <laughs> yeah, people like that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what you know what what you do today. You know, it's it's like the the squirrel cook off. Yeah, I mean that that to me is kind of a that's emblematic of that. It's sort of mm-hmm. well, you know, we we've got a we've got a heritage a culture here that d- doesn't necessarily fit with what some people are trying to squeeze us into. So let's just remind people mm-hmm. where, where we came from. Right. And, and that's, and, and, and that's okay, uh, to, uh, to do that. I, uh, but I, you know, I wouldn't want to have to know that I've got to survive off a of squirrel only. Yeah. You know, right. that, you know. Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of taken the, <laughs> the best part of, any of your own family story and, and culture and, and history and all of it and letting that be what you carry on. And as societies evolve, you don't, if you don't have to carry on the negative stuff, you shouldn't like that. It makes sense that, that we'd want to do that and say, yeah, well, this part of our heritage we're proud of, we're going to take on, but yeah, I'm, I don't want to bring along the tuberculosis or the racism or the whatever into, yeah. <laughs> into our modern Ozarks. So right. Let's, let's, you know, leave that in history, but yeah. Uh, I know Kyle has some more questions. Thank you for humoring me in that timeline. I'd say if you want to hear more of that, read the Ozarks. Which one? What's this? This is volume three, but volume it's three. the history, a history of the Ozarks, uh, and it's a three-volume series. Yeah, so read the history it of is, the Ozarks, yeah. volume yeah. one, two, and three, if you'd like. And then, yeah. you know, one of his several other nine or ten <laughs> books that he has on of, the top. Are we the South or not? And what Hill defines Hill it? And all. And, Thank yeah. you. That was immensely helpful, and I... I'm I'm also getting through those books and and learning a lot, but I was just wanting a condensed timeline of just some I don't know just the identity. What do we What do we carry along with us? So it's a good question. I applaud it, and I I love how you always go through your your synthesis just, of everything. Just how I think, man. It's just what happens. <laughs> I, something that you've actually said in in a, one of your classes on on YouTube is it's interesting that because the Ozarks as a region is kind of a is a newer concept. The history of the Ozarks is really the history of a place that we now call the Ozarks. It's not actually Ozarks history. It's all of these people and events that happened in this place. And then we've kind of come back retrospectively and said, yeah, that's, that's us. That's the Ozarks. And this is what we're claiming. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to say it. Cause it's like, <laughs> What do you do with that when you now are calling this place something that it's never been called before and right. people didn't identify with it? Or has only ever. been called for a hundred years or so when it's when people have been here a lot longer than that. Right. right. Yeah. 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 You 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 exposed me for what for what I've been doing all this time. I mean, yeah, that's a that you you put it a lot better than uh than I can put it. I mean, we're we are we're sort of uh uh naming things in, in retrospect and and uh and and making usable history out of something that maybe you know that didn't seem to be at, at the time. Yeah. But that you know that's that's what historians 
do a lot is we kind of have to. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. If you want to understand the place. Sure. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just you're looking at just all these atoms colliding with each other out there, and none of it makes any sense at all. And uh, but yeah, I, I I think that's I think that's right. And there's one reason in uh, it's one reason that I that I subtitled the last volume, the Ozarkers, because I th- I think it's the the last volume of the of the trilogy is the only one that's really about the cultural Ozarks. I mean, that's, you know, the first two, uh, the first one is pre-Civil War, the the next one's the Civil War era. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, that, I mean, they're not really about a, a cultural place right. that anybody thought of as, as the Ozarks in those days. They're, I'm, I'm writing a history of, of, of people who lived in this physical place that would eventually become <laughs> no, just like you said, just yeah. like uh, that would eventually become the Ozark. I, I I needed you to write some of the jacket copy of that. And, Here we go. And uh, yeah, so I uh, yeah, I think that's ex- exactly what what we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a fascinating topic. There's so much more that we could explore with you, and um, and I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll have to have you back on the show. Would love to come out to your part of the Ozarks and see Izzard County, and because I've never really spent a whole lot of time over there, um, but to get to kind of see that part of the world would be cool too. But that's for a later date. We really appreciate you uh, making the drive over here and spending some time with us and helping us get to know the history of the Ozarks a little bit better. Kind of get to know who we are, identity wise, of where we come from and and the place and the people. And you know, when we're talking about the Ozarks on the Ozark podcast to have a, an idea of what that means and how the boundaries kind of flex and all that stuff is, is helpful for us and anyone listening. So we, again, we just really appreciate your time. I've enjoyed it. And thanks for having me. Uh, to our listeners, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure you let us know, share it with a buddy, leave us a five-star written review. And as always, we will see you on the next one. This podcast is hosted by Kyle V and Kyle Plunkett and produced by Daniel Matthews. For guest recommendations, episode ideas, and general questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or email us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we can't forget to thank our good buddy, J.D. Clayton, for providing the amazing music for today's episode. Check out his website to see where he's touring next at jdclaytonofficial.com.